Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a special football podcast of the Ninth State Sports Show. Uh, my name is Joe Marcellina from nh-highschoolsports.com. Joining me today from a, a very safe distance away, a uh, former longtime football coach in the state of New Hampshire, Mike Lockman. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, Joe. It's actually, it's, it, it was really nice as we were prepping for this to, to hear your voice again, because as you know, this, uh, this sort of isolation situation we find ourselves in, we're, we're not... We're not socializing as much as we as we you know are used to. So, so it was great to hear from you. Yeah, good to hear from you too. And I'm glad I'm, you're all all doing okay. The family's well. Everybody's doing as well as as you could be expected to be. Yep. Very good. Very good. Glad to hear that. Hasn't been. Uh, I know you're in a, a much different situation than I am with a with a couple of kids in the house. Hasn't been too crazy trying to to come up with them with things for them to do uh, as you're all kind of stuck in the same place. I can say that if I ever get fired from my current professional job, I'll have an excellent fallback position as a kindergarten teacher's aide. <laughs> <laughs> so. See, you know, we're all we're all learning. Uh, I think new things during this time. Uh, yes. Know, whether it's new skills or just people uh, that we get along with uh, or don't get along with, you know, it's yep. uh, it's, it's a new experience, uh, and hopefully, one that'll be. Ending by the time we're we're getting back and doing this uh, for football season for a real for a, a, an actual football season, right? Uh, so some of you listening may be wondering uh, why we're talking football, New Hampshire high school football in April, and uh, you know as you may have noticed uh, earlier this year on nhhighschoolsports.com, I had posted I've, I've been posting in in honor of of a, a decade of doing the website. Uh, I've been posting different lists of the top uh, athletes and teams in, in the sports I've covered the most. Of course, football is one of those sports. Um, you know, it, it's been a remarkable uh, 10 years of, of covering football for this site. And uh, today we were going to take uh, some time for the two of us to go over this list. And, and Mike is going to share some of uh, some of the guys he thinks that, that uh, I, I left off the list that maybe should be on the list. Or, or if we were doing a top 20 instead of a, a top 10, they'd be on there. So, uh, you know, as you're listening to this, if you have some, uh, some feedback you'd like to give us or you just send us, a, you know, an angry email, I guess, you can, uh, you can do that at... <laughs> NHHighSchoolSports at gmail.com or on Twitter at NHHSSports. Uh, so I guess we'll start at the beginning of the list there, right? That's probably a good place to start. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I will say, I think what people don't realize is it's a lot harder to come up with a list of 10 than it is to come up with a list of 15 or 20. You know, I mean, th- it's one of those things where the tighter you hold yourself to, it, it really gets hard. And so we know for sure there's 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 great players or teams that didn't make this list but we could still talk about them too but Absolutely. it it must have been tough to pull this together yeah you know and and there's one thing i did differently um those of you that have looked at the list online uh will have seen it because uh, i got i got probably about seven players into the the top 10 and i realized i had no linemen um and i really don't you know it's such an important i mean you can't have a football team without linemen uh, it's pretty, you know, st- almost stupid to say that. <laughs> um, so I wanted to do, I, we did, br- I did break out and do a top five, uh, lineman. And again, these are players that, that I saw play, uh, that I thought were, were the best. Um, I'm sure, you know, uh, you know, for, for the first couple of years I was doing this site, still working at the Nashua Telegraph. So I was kind of limited to Southern New Hampshire, uh, and some of the teams that, 
you know, played the teams around this area. Um, so those were the guys that I saw. Of course, early in the decade, I know there were some some pretty great players out on the seacoast that I maybe didn't see. But again, those are guys we'll, I'm sure we'll get to as we we st- we continue talking. Yep. So um, you know what? The list is in alphabetical order. I think we'll just start right at the top and and work our way down. And uh, so the first guy on the list uh, is a guy that was at uh, Goffstown was uh, a guy who played. I'm I'm pretty sure. I mean. Of Definitely three years of varsity football. He might have even played as a freshman, if I, if I'm remembering that correctly. Uh, it was Connor Bork, uh, who was probably one of the, uh, you know, outside of um, Sean Jellison, might have been one of the most elusive players I think I've ever seen play uh, in New Hampshire football. Yeah, you know, I, I, I agree. It, it, you know, it's funny that both you have two players from that Goffstown championship team on here. Um. But but Connor Bork was one of those guys that, you know, when you look at the stats, the stats don't jump off. Obviously, his touchdown total is impressive at at at, uh, at twenty six. But like the stats don't jump off the page. But what I think a lot of people wouldn't realize is that that was such a a prolific team in terms of their offensive weapons that they had. That you know, fifteen hundred rushing yards. Uh, is pretty amazing considering how many great players they had on that, that Goffstown team. Um, and and on on top of that too, was they were oftentimes so far ahead in the first half that he didn't play much in the second half. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. Cause you're, you're going to pull those guys out, you know, maybe after the first series, if you're blowing a team out. And so, um, but he was he was a really special player on a very very good Division One football team that year. So I I I think that's a great pick. And and, and watching you know I, I had the the fortune of of doing um, the season uh, the the you know our documentary video series with that Goffstown team in 2015 that did go undefeated and and, and won Division One, and you know having watched so much of them that year, you know they were a solid football team uh, on both sides of the ball. With without Connor, but w- what he added to that offense was just that kind of home run threat uh, the, in the running game and and in the passing game too. I mean, because you know he did he did come out and catch a few passes here and there, but it was you know they could be just kind of methodically driving the ball and then all of a sudden, you know they're they're getting you for three four yards here and there and then all of a sudden he rips off a, a sixty yard run um, that you just you know completely could change the game and the. The biggest one probably came in that semifinal against Bedford, where they'd gotten down early. I think they come back and tied it, um, and then first first play of the next drive, he goes like seventy five yards for what ended up being the game winning touchdown. Uh, yeah, it just was you know was something else to watch. Yeah, the the other thing that you can't overlook with with what Connor Bork did for that team is you know the way that that offense was designed those years was you know, really sort of that read type offense between the quarterback and, and the running back. And, um, you know, in years past, they'd had really good running backs, uh, I'm sorry, quarterbacks at Goffstown that could run the ball. Um, Hunter Benjamin, for example, was a, a terror. But as a team that defended that Goffstown team with Connor Benjamin on it, there wasn't a running back there that complimented him as well. So you could you could focus a lot of your game plan on – the, the running of the quarterback, whereas with Bork back there, I would imagine that Division One teams, I mean, what what are you going to do, right? You've got to pick your poison in terms of you can't just take anything away, so you've got to play it pretty straight. And 
you know, that that's tough against an option team. You almost always want to say, okay, who do you want to take away? Yeah. Uh, and he didn't let you do that. No, you, you couldn't. Um, so Connor Bork, one of our, our top 10 or one of my top 10 players, I, sh- I shouldn't, I shouldn't, should stop saying R and throwing this on you, but this is all on, this is all on me right here. Um, <laughs> so the next guy on the list, uh, someone that I imagine that you, you know, as you said, trying to, to drop a game plan against, um, Someone you're probably a little more familiar with, uh, quarterback from Bedford, uh, James Caprell. He yeah. was uh, probably the first, um, you know, first big name player to play for that that young program up in Bedford. Um, led them to the Division Three final as a junior, and then the Division Two final as a senior. Uh, finished up. I, I mean, was kind of one of the the maybe first real. Like he could run the ball a little bit, but what he was really known for was was getting back there and just throwing the ball all over the field and. I think, uh, you know, there were definitely some quarterbacks in the state that could, could do that before him, but really maybe he kind of was the first one to do it maybe that much, I think. Yeah, I, um, I'm really happy that he made this list because, you know, it's funny when, when I was looking at what you had come up with, I was, I, that was the first name, n- not, no joke, that was the first name that I thought of where I said, I wonder if Caparell will get overlooked. Because you know it was a while ago. It was back in the beginning yeah. of the of the decade, and you know he he played in on sort of a lower division team. Which you know again, when you look at these things, and you're talking about a list of ten players. Sometimes you're talking about you know the Pinkertons and the and the Salem's and things like that, and you're not remembering Division three or two Bedford. But he was really good. I coached against him uh, when I was at uh, Hollis Brookline. I coached against him 2009, 10, and 11, and um, we lost to them twice in 2011, and, and it was we only lost two or three games that whole year, and um, he was phenomenal. And like you said, there were a lot of quarterbacks that could that that were pretty good, but Bedford was was one of those teams that really came out and knew they had something special in that kid, and um, they could throw it around, uh, especially for you know, again, kind of quote unquote, a lower division team. Um, they could throw the ball great. They, I mean, no doubt he was complimented with great weapons, but um, they had a very good team. And I, I, I think if they weren't a little banged up heading into that championship game, his junior year uh, right. against Portsmouth, they, they probably would have won that game. And I think they had just beaten Portsmouth maybe this next to last week of the regular season. And, and you know, that, I feel like that comes back to play a big role in high school sometimes, especially when you're a program that that is in that position for the first time. Uh, you know, so you maybe come in with a little bit more, uh, you know, a little more confidence in your step than than maybe, you know, maybe in hindsight you think you should. Uh, yeah. You know, the other thing with him too uh, is, if I'm not mistaken, he came in as a freshman, uh, not right away, but eventually he was getting snaps or, or maybe even starting as a freshman at quarterback, which, um, you know, I don't at any level that, you know, division one, two, three, six way back in the day. I mean, that's, that's something, um, yeah. especially in a, yeah, I think that's it. true. I, re- I remember coaching against him, you know, again, I, I'm pretty sure in 09, we played them later in the season. He might've been the guy at that point. I, it sounds about right. Uh, so James Caprell also on our on our list here. 
Uh, next guy up, you kind of alluded to earlier when we were talking about uh, uh, Connor Bork, uh, another Goffstown guy, uh, Andrew Duval, uh, another member. He was a, a sophomore on that uh, 2015 championship team at Goffstown. Uh, was a receiver and and uh, defensive back for them. Um, you know, great two-way player, uh, and you could see that that sophomore year that he, um, yeah, he had a lot of talent around him, especially on defense. But it, it kind of allowed him to just go and make plays, and I think that really helped them. You know, the next co- next two years, as some of those other kids started to graduate, you know, Duval was then a guy who who had the experience of playing with those kids, but then could also carry it on. You know, as other guys were coming up around him, and uh, you know, was the uh, was the Gatorade Player of the Year as a senior in what may have been a bit of a surprise to some people because his numbers that year weren't. Uh, you know, eye popping. He caught. He only caught twenty-seven passes, um, but eleven of those went for touchdowns. He averaged over twenty-six yards a catch. But then he also had a rushing touch, two rushing touchdowns, a passing touchdown, a kickoff return for a touchdown, and an interception return for a touchdown. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. You you said something that I was going to allude to anyway, which was did his naming of the Gatorade player uh, was that a surprise to some? And it may have been. Uh, I will. I will tell you. Remembering back to that, uh, it would not have been a surprise to any of the Division One football coaches, because um, I, I remember kind of talking to some of the guys that I know that had coached against or, or seen Duval a lot that season, and uh, you know, talking about, hey, who do you think the Gatorade player should be in New Hampshire? And, and I think it was 100%. Everybody I talked to was 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 saying that Duval was the guy. You know, and and he he I think maybe had the opposite of what of what you were talking about with with Bork um, as a senior. You know, there weren't too many other playmakers on offense at that point, so teams could take him away in in the passing game. Uh, right. And then defensively, I think you know it was just a matter of teams being they, their game plan would be to stay away from him. You know, kind of one of those guys like um, you know not to go too over the top here, but like a Darrell Revis type in in the pros. Where you just you know you you just don't even look at that side of the field. Uh, yeah, so you can't the, take the risk. Yeah, and the guy's numbers then end up you know okay, maybe if you had thrown that way, he ends up with a few more interceptions, or, you know, or whatever. But um, yeah, it was definitely a guy that um, I, I felt was very worthy of being on this list, and was certainly one of the first guys I thought of. Yeah, yeah, he was obviously a special player, and um, and and, and I, same thing, right? When I thought when I thought of the two Gosstown players, it was it was Bork, it was Duval. Um, those are the right picks. Next guy on the list is a is a guy that I know you uh, you were certainly uh, high on when he was playing um, for Pinkerton the last couple of years is uh, Gannon Fast. Uh, of course, yep. was a member of, of Pinkerton's uh, two ch- two teams there as a junior and senior that reached the uh, the championship game before coming up short. Um, you know, and the, and the one reason I felt to, to, that he needed to be a guy that was on this list, um, you know, he was, of course, a workhorse work for them at running back. Uh, but he was also a very, very good defensive player on them, uh, had seven and a half sacks as a senior. Uh, so he was a guy I don't think he ever came off the field and just, um, you know, the kind of guy that I think if you were putting a team together, he'd be one of your first picks. Yeah, I, I'm glad that you said that because that's exactly what I was going to say, which was my, uh, you know, the, the, the respect that I had for him wasn't just because he was a hard-nosed, uh, you know, sort of inside runner, fullback type in that offense, and, and he had 1,200 yards, which, by the way, from 
the the fullback position in that offense that's that's not easy to achieve right you're not yeah. you're not the recipient of a lot of misdirection setting you up you're the guy setting other people up in a lot of cases so you know to just bang out uh 1200 yards as a senior uh from the fullback position is pretty good but my my respect for him always came from the fact that he did all that tough physical work on offense and then he was putting his hand on the ground as a defensive end um, and, and, and just shutting down his gap and his, and in some cases his side, you know, I mean, seven and a half sacks, uh, you know, in, in high school football, when you don't, you don't get as much passing as you get in the college and pros games, right? So you don't have as much opportunity <laughs> to accumulate stats like that. Seven and a half sacks is pretty special yeah. for one season for a high school kid. Yeah. It's one of those you have to figure he's playing. I mean, they, they went to the finals, both those or in, you know, his senior year. So, they played what twelve games, so seven and a half sacks in twelve games is a lot different than, you know, you look at the pros or or even college. They're playing thirteen games, fourteen games. So yeah, that's a it, it's a number you have to kind of adjust when you think about uh, how many games they're actually playing. Yeah, well, and it's especially impressive too, where you know, you know, Division One coaches who are trying to get the ball off through the air, they're setting protection to that guy. Yeah, you know they're 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 bringing a running back on him or or chipping him with somebody, and he still was able to do that. And and oh by the way, it wasn't just the sacks. I mean, it was everything that he did on D and and, and special teams too. He played quite a bit of it. that was impressive. So yeah, good player. And speaking of uh, speaking of guys who put up uh, crazy numbers, if we were talking about a college or a pro offense, uh, the next guy on the list is uh, Merrimack's Justin Grassini, who was a, a three-year starter at quarterback. Uh, and helped kind of uh, resurrect the, the Tomahawks program there, got them into the playoffs for the first time in, uh, what, 10 years, only second time in, in 20 years, I think. Um, and his senior year was one of the probably more remarkable seasons that any player in the States had, threw for over 3,500 yards, uh, set the state record with 43 touchdown passes, which, I mean, just, again, to think about that, they played 11 games. Uh, made it to the semifinals that year, and he threw 43 touchdowns. Uh, and I and remember was at the game where he threw nine in, in a game, and it was a game against Pinkerton. At Pinkerton. Had, it, yeah, at Pinkerton. If you had told right. me any of those things, I, I, you know, before that game or before that season, I, I mean, I couldn't have probably imagined them. Uh, was just one of the one of the more fun kids to watch. Yeah, it, it, it's almost it, – it's funny because – when you talk about quarterbacks, a lot of times um, you're talking about championship quarterbacks, right? And those are the kind of guys that make the list and, you know, because they got the ring and they did all that stuff. I think that Grassini, even, I mean, even being on your list, which I think is right, by the way, I think he's been overlooked as one of the greatest quarterbacks that's come out of New Hampshire ever, maybe, because, because maybe they didn't win the championship or whatever, right? And that's not fair. The numbers are astounding. And like you said, the relative accomplishment of, you know, the last, the last Tomahawk playoff appearance was 2005. Right. Yeah. You know, to, to, to be the, the leader of that offense uh, that sort of, again, it's all kind of relative, right. That made that leap. And, and since then Merrimack's been very competitive um, and consistent, but 43 touchdown passes, right. I mean, 43 rushing touchdowns would be insane. 
I'd argue it's a lot harder to accumulate the touchdown passing statistic than it is to accumulate the rushing touchdown statistic. I mean, it's almost it's almost four a game. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, it's like Madden numbers, right? Like like Madden, you know, like Xbox numbers. It's crazy. And you know, and at times, I mean, that's kind of what like watching their offense was. I mean, they they had some very talented uh, kids around him. Uh, you know, the one that really stands out to me, Tyler Daniel, was a, was a kid that, um, I mean, he he looked like a college athlete playing with high school kids when he was a senior. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to I'm drawing blanks on on some of the other kids that they had in that offense, but I mean he had weapons all over the field. Uh, they know, had uh, Eichmann. Yeah. Oh, that's yes, of course. Uh, Joe Eichmann uh, yep. was a junior on that team. Yep. Uh, but those yeah. are the two I remember. Eichmann <laughs> and Daniel were pretty good, but uh, yeah, he had weapons, but he was a special player. Yeah. So uh, the next guy on the list. Um, the only one on the list who is a current uh, high school player in New Hampshire would be Nashua North's uh, Curtis Harris. Uh, he's been the um, he's been a, a varsity player for the Titans. Another one that, that started as a freshman uh, was a, started I believe in the defensive backfield uh, as a freshman for for North. Uh, as a sophomore, kind of took over uh, at the quarterback position while also continuing to play uh, safety, and then last year really just kind of blew up before getting hurt um, late in the season, rushed for over 1,400 yards and 21 touchdowns, and just was, um, I mean, he, again, I think he's in a line of those, the kind of kids that we talked about with, with Connor Bork, just so elusive, so fast, and then what gets me about him is watching him play defense, he hits so hard. Yeah. Yeah, my impression of him is, very similar to kind of what we were saying about um, Andrew Duvall earlier that, you know, you look at, you look at the offensive accomplishments so much. I mean, that's just for whatever reason, right. Offensive statistics are easier to look at and understand. Um, But you have always talked about, and you've seen him play a number of times. You've always talked about how impressed you are with how fast he fills, uh, how quickly he breaks to the ball and, and just being an absolute terror on defense. And, um, and and even when you look at him offensively, right, I mean, he, he really is, and, and I, I say this with respect, not with disrespect at all, he really is almost kind of a guy playing out of position as a quarter. A little bit, right? yeah. He, he was you know, he's, more... he's stepped into that position because like he knows that's what his team needs, and they've been able to build a nice scheme around him. But, I mean, he's really like a running back. You know, I mean, he's a guy you could hand the ball to 25 times a game and get the W. Um, and he still managed to be really good um, managing the game, running the ball out of that position and stuff. You know, I, he, he's tremendous. Definitely, uh, you could tell this year as a junior, he had worked a lot on his um, technique throwing the ball in the offseason. That was the biggest thing uh, that got me off or that stood out to me, you know, watching him offensively was that, that he put a lot of work into that. Uh, defensively, you know, the thing that comes to mind, um, you know, their North's um, second game of the year last year, they were they were hosting Spalding, who was coming off a uh, a close loss against Merrimack in their opener, you know, had them kind of flying high, and they came out, got the ball first, tried running the ball, and I think on on back to back plays, Harris came in and just delivered a crushing hit on on two different running backs and one of those ones that like you can hear from the sidelines 
and you're just kind of like, oh, I hope everybody's, you know, kind of just sends a little chill down your back. Like, you know, you're yeah, like, oh, yeah. hope everybody's okay. And that, I mean, that set the tone for the, the entire game right there. Um, yeah, that, that kind of play really stood out to me for him. Yeah, I don't think there's many coaches in Division One, if any, who would say that even though he still has a year to play, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that he wouldn't be on this, that he shouldn't be on this list. He's he's one of the best we've seen in a long time. So from from uh, from one Nashville quarterback to uh, uh, one elusive Nashville quarterback to another, uh, the next guy on the list, uh, Nashua South's Trevor Knight. Uh, you know, Trevor was a, a three-year starter for Nashua South. Was the Gatorade Player of the Year as a senior. Um, threw for over eighteen hundred yards. Ran for over fifteen hundred yards. Uh, went on to play at UNH, was the quarterback, starting quarterback there for a couple of years. And, uh, you know, he was a guy, um, his senior year, that was that, that 2013 season when uh, the NHIAA changed uh, the division alignment and, you know, you, all of a sudden you had uh, South playing a bunch of teams that they'd never played before or hadn't played in a long time, and they're going – I remember I remember going with that team a lot. I went to Spalding, to Dover. Um, I'm forgetting where else. Spalding and Dover, man, you were a I know. punishment that season. <laughs> it was just, uh, well, not uh, not all of those were by, by my choice. Uh, right, right. Um, but, you know, it was um, – th- that team, he had a lot of good players around him, but a lot of times he was a little bit like Connor Bork in that, in, in that golf sound team. When a, they needed a big play or needed something to break, he was usually the guy doing it, and there weren't many teams that – I think actually the only team that stopped them was Keene. They lost to him twice that year, including in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, that was I think the only team that stopped was really able to stop him that year. Yeah, when I think of um, Trevor Knight, I mean obviously you know he's a, he was a quarterback. He played quarterback at UNH, which is um, you know which is extremely prestigious. Uh, but I, I think of like just the pure athlete that he was. Right, you could have put him. He's one of those guys that gives you the impression that you could have put him anywhere. He could have been a receiver, uh, an outside linebacker, a, a safety, a kick returner. It, it wouldn't have mattered, right? He was just one of those guys that he was a pure athlete, and he was going to be good at anything that you gave him. You know, I, I, was, I was thinking to myself, you know, he's one of those guys that, you know, if your punter got hurt in the middle of the game, you could say <laughs> – you know, Trevor go out and he never punted before. Trevor go out there and punt, and he'd rip off a forty-yard punt. You know, I mean, he was just—he was just one of those guys. Yeah, he was. Um, you know, of course, he played basketball uh, at South as well. Also ran track. Um, and I think I think there were—I'm not remembering how much, but I know he did play a little bit of safety for them. Uh, and and early on, may have returned some kicks. Uh, I imagine it. You know, as as he gets to being a senior and you know, a bigger part of the offense, they probably uh, cut back on that quite a bit. Um, yeah, but he was just, yeah, again, one of those kind of electrifying players that, uh, you know, you, he makes plays that you kind of just, you're going to remember for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. So the next guy on the list, I'm, I'm curious to hear uh, your thoughts on this because he was kind of a, uh, a late addition for me. Uh, again, like you said, a guy who played in the early part of the decade who, you know, was kind of one of those for me. Oh yeah, that guy um, is uh, running back from Pinkerton, uh, Manny Lattimore. He was a uh, a four year starter for Pinkerton, um, which you know for a freshman starting running to be a freshman starting running back 
at Pinkerton. Um, that's a pretty big accomplishment. Uh, so is setting a school record for rushing yards uh, in a career. He had over 4,000 yards rushing, 64 touchdowns. All four years that he was at Pinkerton, they reached the championship game, uh, winning one title when he was a freshman. And, um, you know, the, the best best way I could probably describe him, the, the play, again, uh, plays that stand out in your mind. I remember his freshman year, they played at Stelos against South in uh, what ended up being a really close game. And South had a kid who just could kick the ball. Like he, I mean, he could, they had more touchbacks that year than I think any team I've ever seen. Yeah. And there was one time that he could, he didn't reach the end zone. Uh, and he kicked it right into the corner, like in between the one and the goal line and the far corner. Lattimore caught it and was gone. The one, oh. the one mistake he didn't, you know, didn't put the ball in the end zone. Yeah. And, uh, and that ended up being the winning touchdown. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, so the bottom line, right, is, I, you know, uh, Pinkerton has been an absolute factory for special running backs, right? I mean, even if you go all the way back to, you know, the late 1980s where they had Ryan Milacco and Joe Segretti and then the nineties where they had guys like Matt Jordan, who for the longest time was like the rushing leader in the state um, or uh, Russ Macejos. And, and, and this guy beat all them out for the career school record rushing yards. I mean, those are names. I mean, I didn't play for Pinkerton, right. But I remember those names um, because I played against some of those guys in the nineties and, and, you know, and understood the team history a little bit because they were a huge rivalry with us back when I played. And uh, to, to say that this guy set records over all those others, he's got to be on this list because I, you know, those other guys were great players and, it's a it's a massive accomplishment to say you have the school rushing record at Pinkerton Academy because of the quality of the running backs that have come out of that school over the last several decades. It's huge, you know. And and a lot of guys, um, a lot of you know guys from Pinkerton, you think of too, were kind of that you know, like we talked about with with Fast, was just you know the uh, the that power runner, and Lattimore certainly had that to him, but he also had the the capability of just uh, again, like on that that kickoff play I mentioned, just scoring from anywhere on the field just kind of yeah. bringing that extra level of, 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 of that extra threat to their run game uh and that's really i think what stands out the most to me about him yeah yeah very special player and a four like you said a four-year starter just at, at a school like pinkerton again just 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 it, the hits just keep on coming in terms of the the, the checks that you know that you the, the boxes that you can check off with manny great player uh, next guy on the list, uh, I know you, you mentioned trying to get some guys from, uh, from smaller teams, smaller schools on here. And the, the next guy I think fits that, uh, Plymouth's Garrett Maycomber, uh, just a, a kid that was a, a remarkable player. He was, uh, the Gatorade player of the year as a junior in 2016 in a, in a year where, uh, you know, Plymouth won the first of three straight championships. And that year may have been the most, un, you know, most, uh, surprising of the three because pretty much everyone on the team got hurt. Uh, right. I remember that the, I saw them play during the regular season at John Stark. And um, I think Maycomber might've been the only 
healthy upperclassmen on the field by the end of the game. I think there were two kids in that game that ended up getting hurt for the season, um, or at least an ex- extended period of time. And he just was – it didn't seem to matter. They just kept giving him the ball. I think he had something like 40 carries in that game. You know, the championship game against Bo, uh, he catches the, the game-winning touchdown in, in the final minute. Uh, right. Which that in itself was kind of crazy to think that he, you know, catching a catching a touchdown pass at Plymouth to win a championship game. Right, right. And, and that wasn't his – that certainly wasn't his thing either, right? I mean, he was a workhorse running back. And then uh, – and, and defensively, he was a great uh, – Great player on defense too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one you don't it, you know it's not common to have it's not unheard of, but it's certainly not common to have a lower division player win the Gatorade award. It's also equally as uncommon to have a junior win the Gatorade yeah. player. Uh, so that that alone speaks volumes to what he contributed. But you know, by all accounts, too, the the type of leader and teammate that he was the dedication that he had to Plymouth football. It wasn't just the, the great accomplishments on the field, but he was, he was sort of the embodiment of that tough, hard-nosed, smart, dedicated Plymouth football player, right, and such a storied program. But, yeah, he, he was something special. And, I mean, his senior year, he didn't quite have the, you know, the stats and the, and the, the spotlight. But to your point, there were more weapons around him right, and, and – and, you know, they didn't have to make it uh, so that he was putting that whole team on his shoulders like he did his junior year, which is literally what he did oh, yeah. to win that championship game, right? right? They, they could lean on a lot of other really good guys uh, his senior year. And, so, and, and, you know, he accepted that role, um, you know, with great humility. You know, I mean, hey, yeah, I would, you know... He's not going to be one of those guys who says, well, I'm not getting the ball 40 times anymore, you know, and then what's this all about? And, and, and uh, he, just, he just personifies that great throwback player mentality. I mean, and that's the kind of kid you think about when you think of Plymouth football, too. Is yeah. Just a tough-nosed kid that's going to do anything it takes to, to help the team win. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we are down to uh, the final player on this list. Uh, and I, I think it's kind of, you know, we did this alphabetically, um, so these aren't ranked. But the guy, you know, this guy, uh, I feel is kind of a, a good way to cap it off. Um, you'll notice that the first nine guys on the list had, um, you know, kind of were career, career guys, put up huge numbers throughout their 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 uh, high school careers. Uh, this final guy here uh, is Bedford's Ryan Toscano, who was a solid player for the for the Bulldogs as a sophomore and a junior, uh, and then senior year just kind of came out of nowhere um to be have one of probably the most dominant seasons by a a football player in new hampshire in 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 a long time or in in recent memory uh won the gatorade player of the year rushed for over 1300 yards had 20 touchdowns also had over 60 tackles on defense and those numbers don't maybe you know kind of like we were talking about with with the duval and, and borks um you know they don't jump off the page at you but then you figure that year bedford i think had maybe two games that were closer than two touched or excuse me that were within uh two or three touchdowns so they yeah. were he was playing basically a half of football the entire year and put up 1300 right. yards right yeah it, by the way in a very balanced offense yeah right not like he was getting 20 carries a game um so so you know you take you even take that into account that he wasn't playing full games 
It's not like he was getting a massive amount of carries even when he was playing because they were very capable of spreading the ball around to different players, and they, and they did a good job of that. And then you look at 63 tackles his senior year. You know, you could say, well, you know, uh, 100 tackles was impressive. You know, what's up with that? But, you know, he, it's not like he was a, an inside linebacker or something, you know, in one of those positions where you're, you're, you're a focal point, right? He was an outside backer, so he was isolated to one side of the field, which means, you know, you can run away from him. Um, so to, and, and what I saw of him defensively that was so impressive was that he could, you know, he could play his, that outside linebacker position. He was really disciplined in it. But when that ball broke free and all bets are off and, you, and, and it's a pursuit game, I mean, man, he could cover ground and make a sure tackle against a ball carrier. Um, he was a really impressive defensive player. Well, you figure, too, uh, there, there were probably plenty of games where their defense wasn't out on the field all that long. You know, so if they're if they're forcing three and outs and punts and I mean, he's maybe only getting the opportunity to make a couple of tackles a game uh, or, you know, there's only maybe let's say it's a, a three and out. There's only three plays that you can make a tackle on if he's making them all all three or, you know, it doesn't add up to too too many uh, unless you're making a ton of them. Right. So that is our uh, our top 10 position players. Uh, next, uh, we'll, or, or anybody, I guess, I guess I'll ask at this point, Mike, is there, uh, anybody on your list that we left, that I left out on there that, that should be a certain terms of position players, uh, or, or I, maybe skill players is a better way to, to put it. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm going to frame it up as just other guys that, that are worth, you know, mention or consideration. I'm, I'm not, I, I don't know that I would say, Joe, that I would, that any of these guys, Hey, they deserve to be on it more than others or what have you. Cause you know, there's so many intangibles, but, um, you know, a couple guys that came to mind, I was just kind of jotting them down as I, as I was thinking about this, was, you know, Nashua North had a really great player, um, was a running back, Andre Williams, yeah. um, which I'm sure that name probably, you, you know, you remember that name very oh, yeah, well. Absolutely. Um, Andre Williams was a great player. Um, Salem had a pair of running backs early, early, early on in the decade, uh, and Max Jakes and Jerickson Frederick. Yep. Um, who were, you know, I think they actually played on the same team at one point. They did, yes. Uh, they were both on, I think, the... Well, so so I did consider uh, Jake's, I believe it was. Uh, yeah. But he only he was only in the decade in 2010. So that was... Right, kinda, exactly. I, I did, maybe I should have mentioned that as a, a, a cutoff or a marker at the beginning. I You know, I tried to stick with guys who played at least two years in the decade. Right. Um, yeah, that's a good point. But they were both. I, I they come to mind, right? I remember. I remember watching those guys play, and even seeing them in the um, the Shrine Bowl, and and they were just so impressive. Um, there was a guy from Keene. You mentioned uh, you mentioned Trevor Knight in that Nashua South team, only really kind of having been snake bit by Keene. Alex Parento yeah. he was, uh, was the quarterback for Keene, and and he was a nightmare in that playoff game against South. Uh, over at Stelos, if, if I'm remembering oh, correctly, yeah, he was. I that was. I mean, he he was doing everything for that team that day. Yeah, I mean, he was just a nightmare, and he was a a, a, a punishing runner. You know, not the elusive uh, type runner that that Trevor was, or or some of these other. I mean, he was just a a, a big, strong kid that could put the shoulder pads low. Uh, you know, take the snap and just run. And he was really, he, they had no answer for him. A very, very good South team had no answer for him. Um, 
you know, the other guy you talked about, sort of recent guys, um, and it is a lower division guy, but you, you think about the, the four years that Keegan Mills had at Campbell. Yeah. Pretty awesome. I mean, he, he's a very good player, both sides of the ball. Um, has a couple of championship rings to show for it. Um, that That's good stuff. And then from Exeter, I had um, another Gatorade player of the year, a guy named Tyler Grant, yep. um, who was a running back back in kind of the 2012 time frame, if I'm remembering correctly. And he's got a couple titles as well. Now that's a guy uh, that unfortunately I never I never saw him play just because of the way my schedule was always working out back then and and you know I was covering more of the lower divisions uh, if I wasn't doing any of the Nashua schools so yeah unfortunately I missed out on uh, on actually seeing him play. Yeah, yeah, I, I I didn't get to see him a whole lot. I think I I saw him once or twice, and you know one of those times might have even been on film. Um, but but he was a great player, um, and and, and I remember that year thinking, yeah, when the Gatorade Award came out, he definitely deserved it. He was a good player. So those those are some of the other names that came to mind for skill position guys. Um, but, you know, you could have swapped any one of those guys with, with any one of the guys you took. And I mean this sincerely. Yeah. And it and it would have been kind of the same, right? I mean, I wouldn't say any of these guys elevate over or, or, or sit under any of those guys. They're just – you had to make a cut at 10, you know? I mean, I didn't have to. I mean, I, I won't. <laughs> yeah, but ten for ten sounds kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it sounds better than 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 twelve for ten or, or fifteen. Right, exactly. Uh, well, speaking of, speaking of fifteen for ten, I want to go through the linemen real quick that I had on here. Um, yeah. Uh, just again, alphabetically, uh, from Bedford, uh, Bobby Heald. Uh, he was a guy, three-year starter for them. Was just a, a monster on both sides of the line, um, and was a great kid. Really, really quiet. Uh, you know, if you talk to him off the field, you maybe didn't know he was such a, a, a good football player, good athlete too, uh, was a tremendous wrestler, uh, for Bedford and, and actually went on to wrestle at army. Um, you know, so he was a, a very, very athletic, very physical kid. Um, Ricky Holt from Portsmouth, who, um, was just a, another guy who was just a, a beast, uh, on the, on, especially on defense for them. Helped him win back-to-back titles in D3. Went on to play at UNH. Uh, another guy that played at UNH with Holt, uh, Jake Kennedy from Sauhegan, who yep. was um, just, um, you know, again, another another super nice guy, but on the football field was just a, a terror uh, on the lines. Uh, and from, from Milford, uh, Cody Palladino, who, you know, this was a tough one for me, picking a guy from Milford, because Milford had a stretch there where they just seemed to pump out offensive linemen uh and they would go in groups too you'd have a guy that'd be there for three years and he'd overlap with a guy and then that guy'd be there you know and then paladino was in that mix uh, yeah they had hughes they had paladino they had, i think there was one other guy that was in that mix but you're you're absolutely right they had like this this conveyor belt <laughs> of <laughs> of really elite linemen uh over the course of like eight years almost yeah. and then uh the the Final guy, uh, Noah Robeson from Pinkerton, um, you know, initially, uh, or he was a guy that, that uh, helped them lead, helped them win a championship, undefeated championship in 2014. Uh, initially went to play at Coastal Carolina, then came back to play at UNH. But he was just another guy that was just kind of a, a monster of a lineman uh, as a high school kid. Yeah, the only, the only thing I would say to this list is I, I, the anecdote that I have on Ricky Holt was, uh, my last year at Hollis Brookline when we played Portsmouth and Holt was their nose tackle. 
he's the only defensive player in my in my 23 year career as a football coach uh, that I triple teamed. <laughs> we triple teamed on every play. We we would we block him with the center, block down on him with the play side guard, and we'd sort of zone block him from the backside with the backside guard before going up onto a linebacker. I don't think he did much against us that night, <laughs> but just the fact that we had to triple him meant that unfortunately there were other guys that were free to make plays. What did everybody else do though? <laughs> exactly right, but but no joke. We we tripled him on almost every play in some way, right? Two and a half blocks. Um, you know, because we were chipping him a lot, maybe with the extra guy, but he was that good. Yeah, he um, was that. So, so those are our uh, our, our players, uh, top players of the decade. Uh, again, you can. Uh, I got a couple dudes that I can oh, mention. Yeah, for... No, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I didn't mean to. to... No, it's okay. It's just a, it's just a few other guys. There was, you know, Nashua North had uh, a guy that went on to play at Saint Anselm's, um, and it was the it was the beginning of the decade. But James Murphy. Yeah was an offensive guard uh, for Nashua North uh, back in the early early part of the decade, and he went on to play. And he wouldn't have made your your two year rule, I think, because I think he I think he was a 2010 yeah. year. Um, but he was very good, uh, you know, a big guy. He was like six three, two eighty, and went on to play a little bit at St. Anselm's. He was a guy that I I remember being impressed with at some camps that I had done and stuff. And um, the other guy that I wanted to mention was Colin Richardson. From Exeter, okay, uh, was an o- offensive tackle and uh, nose guard in their scheme, and you know he won two titles back in that same time frame as Tyler Grant, and uh, he was a very very good player. Went on to play college ball. I can't remember whether he went to Stonehill or he he, he went on to play though, and he was also very very good. All right, that's again a bunch of bunch of guys that we got probably could have thrown on this list, and and no one would have uh, batted an eye. Or maybe they are that we didn't put them on there, but uh, yeah, like I was saying, if you if you have uh, if you you want to throw a, or or comment on our, on the players we mentioned there, you do so nhhighschoolsports at gmail dot com uh, at nhhs sports on Twitter. Uh, I want to run down the teams here real quick. I don't want to I don't want to uh, go overboard here with this, um, but just mention some of the teams that I thought were were the top. You know, some of the decade. Uh, starting with that um, 2013 Concord team that won the, uh, the their program's first championship since 2000. That year they uh, they beat Pinkerton pretty good in the championship game. Had a quarterback actually who probably could deserves mention for for this too. In uh, in Robbie Law uh, was a junior, came back and had a pretty good senior year for them too. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a uh, definitely a team that that stood out in my mind. Yep, yep. Remember them well. I was at that championship game. One of those ones where you look up, I think actually there was running time at one point in the second half of that game, which just was one of those, it's like, I can't believe someone's doing this to Pinkerton. Yeah, although I remember, quite honestly, and I mean nothing against Pinkerton, being pleased with that because it was absolutely freezing. (laughs) (laughs) My feet were so cold. Pinkerton, of course, came back the next year in 2014, went undefeated, um, and they... um, you know, one of probably the most dominating performances I've seen in a championship game. They beat Bedford thirty-seven to nothing, and Bedford was also undefeated in going into that game. Uh, and then, you know, you want to really think about it too. Um, three playoff games Pinkerton played that year. They outscored their opponents at one hundred and three to fourteen. Yeah, yeah, that was a very, very good team, and I, I was at that 
championship game as well. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure that I made it the whole way through the bed, the, that game because it was just, it was over. Uh, next on the list, 2015 Goffstown. Uh, you know, we talked about them quite a bit earlier with both Connor Bork, Andrew Duvall. They had a very good quarterback in Casey Gervais. Uh, averaged over 41 points a game. Beat Exeter 42-14 to 14 in the championship game. Uh, that was just, um, you know, and, and again, I as I mentioned before, I did the season with that team. It was a, just a fun kind of culmination of a group of seniors who had, had been playing football together for a long, long time and, and just kind of, you know, able to, to – you know, go out on top and have just a, a great time doing it. Yeah, that was one of my favorite teams to watch. And maybe some of that is just because you had done the season and I actually, I, you know, I followed that pretty close when you would uh, when you would post that. But it was a good group and it was uh, maybe one of my favorite recent Division One championship teams in terms of just, just yeah. the way they played and, and, and the, 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 the personality of the team. Uh, next up on the list, the the only team on this list I've got that that didn't win a championship. Uh, we talked about them a little bit earlier. The 2016 Merrimack, uh, again the first Merrimack team uh, in I think what over 10 years to make the playoffs. Uh, only the second one in in 20 years. Uh, first, I believe playoff win in 20 years too, or over 20 years. Um, and that team was just again the one of the best offenses I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. They were, you know, and, and it was a it was a tough loss in the the playoffs to Bedford. Right, there was some controversy around uh, a catch that did or didn't happen, uh, and that could have turned the tide of the game right there. So, yeah, very very good football team I, on both sides. Of the, their defense was excellent that year too. I don't know if I've mentioned this one publicly, but I'll do so now. Uh, why not? Um, I know I've talked to you about it before, but I was, you know, I do, I've been voting in the, the UNH, or excuse me, the U Union Leader uh, Power Poll uh, the last couple of years, and I was that year. That might have actually even been my first year voting in it. And uh, at the end of the year, I really, really wanted to put Merrimack number one, uh, despite not making it to the finals, but I yeah. did not. I think I got yeah. number two. Uh, but I, I thought that was the best team I, I, I saw that year. They just, just, weren't able to win it yep uh next up on the list the 2017 plymouth uh championship team um as we said this was this this is the second of the three championships championship teams that plymouth had uh and the reason i put this one on here was because as we talked about uh they were loaded uh after being so banged up the year before uh may comber we talked about he had a couple of guys with him that that were beat up the year before and Nolan Farina and Owen Brickley that were just, they gave them such a versatile offense in terms of running the ball. They could do just about anything that they wanted. Um, went over 40 points in 9 out of 12 games that year. And in a rematch with Bo, won 27-8 uh, to eight in the final. Yeah, and they were one of the better passing Plymouth teams that I've ever seen. You know, Plymouth is built around that running game. But, but to your point, right, they were really, they had so many good players on that team. They could take the heat off of Maycomer. They could move the ball on the ground, inside, outside. They could throw the ball really well. Uh, they were an impressive team. Uh, the other team I have on here from 2017 would be Campbell, uh, the Division Three champs that year. Uh, they were um, they went undefeated, uh, winning the program's second title, averaged better than 44 points a game, shut out six teams, actually allowed only 46 points all year. Uh, you know, and they just cruised through the season into that final. 
before uh, barely escaping with a 12-8 win over Man- a very good Monadnock team that year. Uh, yeah. That Campbell team, I think if you'd have bumped them up into D2, uh, maybe they don't win a, win a championship, but I, I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised to see them in the Final Four. Yeah, no, they were very good. And, and you know, we talked earlier about Keegan Mills, but again, they were loaded. They had a really good, um, really good presence in the trenches that year. Their offensive and defensive lines were excellent. And that was one of the, that was a great, I mean, for a low, you know, low scoring game, but it was a great kind of nail biter championship with Monadnock. And, and then the next team on the list, I have Monadnock from 2018, uh, which was, they returned the favor against Campbell, beat them in the final 15 to 12. Uh, but that, that Monadnock team, uh, kind of like the Goffstown team from 2015, they were a team that had been together for a long time, had gone through a lot and, and had gotten very close to, uh, I mean, they had dominated Division Three for the, the couple of years that they had been down there and then finally broke through that year. Uh, six shutouts on the year, thirty average 36 points a game, uh, and that was just a, a phenomenal team. Again, another one that I think could have competed maybe even a level up. Yep. And uh, the last team on our list here, uh, also from 2018, it was uh, the D- D1 champs that year, Bedford. Uh, you know, as we said, their closest game that year was in the championship, a 28-14 win over Pinkerton. I don't know if they had another game that was within three touchdowns. They just, uh, they were a, a a force that year. And and maybe what stands out in my mind the, the most, the two games that stand out the most for them that year, uh, the season opener against Nashua North, where I think those two teams were kind of looked at as maybe the favorites going into the year on that side of the, um, on that cluster. And yep. I want to say Bedford won like 31-13 or something like that. And I think that ended up being their closest regular season game. Yeah. Uh, and then the last game of the year against Merrimack, uh, the regular season game against Merrimack, they're coming in, uh, I think, first place in the conference or the cluster was on the line. Merrimack had one loss. Bedford was undefeated. And I want to say it was something like 45-7 to seven at halftime or something like that. Like Bedford just came out and, and blew Merrimack off the field. Yeah, I, I remember that. It was kind of gut-wrenching if you were if you were hoping for a really great football game. It was over very quickly. So that's the, uh, that's the list of, of teams. Uh, any, anybody I left off there that you can think of? You know, the only ones that came to mind were uh, I, I, had, I had 12 Exeter, right. which was – which was, uh, I think, a second-in-a-row championship team, and that was a team that had Richardson and Grant on it, among others. Um, you know, I, I thought a 2014 Wyndham. Yeah, that was a very good team. Yeah, I mean, the names, right? I was looking at, I was looking at the, the roster. Uh, Anthony Gallo, Kellen Bell, Curtis Jolliker, who was a nightmare. Brendan McKinnis, who might have been one of the best quarterbacks in the state yet that year. Joey Frake, I mean, they just... And all those guys, they had, they had like five or six guys that went and represented them in the Chad game, and I think that might be the list. Um, they were tremendous. And then the last one uh, was uh, the, the recent 2017 Winniconnet Championship. Yeah, that was a very good team, too. Yeah. And, and, and to come back from a 3-6 and six season the previous year and do what they did, and also to overcome all the adversity they overcame with, you know, they had injuries throughout the year to key players. They had, you know tight ends moving to running back or, you know, I, I mean, they just had to cobble that thing together and to persevere through all that. I, I, I remember being very impressed with them a few years ago as well. 
you know, I think it all adds up to uh, it was a, a very uh, exciting, very fun decade of New Hampshire high school football. Uh, I know I, I thoroughly, you know, people ask me a lot, like, oh, what do you enjoy? What do you enjoy covering the most? And, uh, you know, football is definitely one of those sports that I, I look forward to. You know, just the feel of, a, uh, of getting ready for a Friday night game, um, you know, in that early, or excuse yeah, early September, you know, just the the kind of atmosphere that you get into um it, it it's unlike anything else and it's uh it's always a lot of fun and uh, and mike I'm, I'm i had a lot of fun doing this i'm, I'm glad you were able to uh join me yeah i'm I, I had a lot of fun i mean even if the circumstances weren't as uh you know interesting as, <laughs> as they are yeah i would have enjoyed it uh hopefully we can um we can continue and 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 uh maybe we can find another venue but uh, but yeah, it's been a blast, Joe. Yeah, hopefully that hopefully the next time we're doing this, we're actually face to face in a uh, an establishment that um, has some food that we could eat, uh, you know, and that that we're we're doing it across the table from each other instead of uh, over over the phone. <laughs> Absolutely. But, oh, he is uh, Mike Lockman. Mike, thanks again for joining me. Yep, thank you. And I am Joe Marcellina. Thanks again for listening, and we'll, we'll talk some football with you uh, coming up later this su- in the summer.